The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You are listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Rachel Lawrence, filling in for Katie Worthington-Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future-focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Today, we are joined by Sarah Beth Reynolds, who represents District 4 of the Polk County School Board and is also the Development Director of Theater Winter Haven. In our next segment, we hear about the digital divide in Polk County and some of the projects that are being implemented to benefit students during this time with Kim Long, Director of Polk Vision, Chairman of Polk Vision Smart Communities Team, Chad Tagto of Citizens Bank and Trust, and Rachel Pleasant of Polk County Public Schools. This podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber, but made possible through a phenomenal partnership with Dolphin Image Studios. Our producer from Dolphin Image Studios is Nate. Hey, Nate, tell our listeners a little bit about your studios. All right. Dolphin Image Studios is a uh, full production film and television studio. We offer a 3,000 square foot soundstage, psych wall, LED wall, and a podcast studio. If you want to find us, just go to facebook.com backslash Dolphin Image Studios. We believe it's important to continue to release our podcast throughout the coronavirus crisis. We hope that you find these as a nice diversion to something very heavy we are all going through right now. My job has changed over the last few weeks, and at the Chamber, we continue to promote our local business community, but how we promote and how we communicate with our businesses and the community has adapted to, quote, the new normal. I want to encourage every one of you listening to this podcast to make a pledge to invest your money in our local community. The regulations and government guidelines are changing daily, but we can adapt to those while continuing to support our neighbors. And when this is all over, and it will end, we will be here to help you rebuild. This podcast would not be possible without our Chamber Investor Businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Meeks Real Estate. Winter Haven was rated by Realtor.com as our number one hottest real estate market. Do you need help navigating your home search? Meeks Real Estate LLC is owned and operated by broker Realtor, Carla Meeks. Carla has over 14 years of experience in residential and commercial real estate, as well as her GRI designation. Her office is located at 1510 North Broadway Avenue in Bartow but Carla is actively involved in all of Polk County. Call or text Carla at any time. She would love to help you buy, sell, build, and invest in Central Florida. 863-604-9287 or visit carlamakesrealtor.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-M-E-E-K-S, realtor.com. Today we have with us Sarah Beth Reynolds. Sarah Beth was elected to the Polk County School Board in 2016 and represents District 4, which includes most of Winter Haven and Lake Alfred. 
On top of that realistically full-time job, Sarah Beth also serves as the development director for Theater Winter Haven, Florida's best community theater. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah Beth. Thanks, Katie. So glad to have you here today. How long has your family been in Winter Haven? So I was born and raised in Winter Haven. On my mom's side of the family, my great-grandparents, both sets of my great-grandparents, moved here in the 50s. Um, And my grandparents met at Winter Haven High School. And my parents met at Winter Haven High School. Um, And my brother and sister and I all went to Winter Haven High School. And then on my dad's side of the family, he had lots of family aunts and uncles in Winter Haven, but he was born in St. Pete. So his grandparents moved the family over when he was in middle school, um, partially so that my grandfather didn't have to drive over the Howard Franklin Bridge anymore, and partially oh. because we had middle school sports still in Polk County at that time. Oh. So we've yeah. been here a while. We had middle school sports back <laughs> in Polk County. Absolutely. That's what we're, <laughs> we're working towards that. Winter right? Haven Peps trying really hard. Yes. So. Yes, they uh, are. There absolutely. is a, apparently an economic development aspect to it. So that's to why middle I'm school to sports? Middle school absolutely. Sports, so. Well, think of all the term- tournaments we could recruit here. Absolutely. Yeah. So how, sorry, we're totally diverting from the thing. But since you mentioned middle school sports, how many districts in the state have middle school sports? There are very few. Um, and we do have some middle school sports. Mm-hmm. Middle school football is the big one. Um, and I don't believe there's more than three or four in the state that, oh, really? that have it right now. So. That's kind of sad. Yeah. 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 Sarah Beth, what was it like growing up here? Um, it makes a small town feel like an even smaller town when you're third or fourth generation Winter Haven. <laughs> oh. um, I I was a very I am a rule follower. I never break the what? rules. I know no. it's amazing, um, but I when I was in high school, I was in a TV production class and I was out filming one day and missed lunch. And our teacher had told us, you know, stop on the way back and pick something up. So I'm in the Sonic drive-through and my dad pulls up next to me. Because he saw that I was skipping school, and I was like, I really am supposed to be here. Like, but it's you know, Publix is a two-hour experience because mm. you you get to know everybody, yeah. which is really cool and a lot of fun. Yeah, it's the, the you know the running joke is never say anything bad about anyone in Polk County because very likely that person you're talking to is either related to them or knows them, you know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I that's met- with a community of 700,000 people, you know, but yeah. it still feels that way. Absolutely. I met my third cousin at my freshman homecoming and my parents were like, no, 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 this is a direct bloodline. Like you have the same great, great grandparents. Like, mm-hmm. It's legit. Like, oh, all right. oh, wow. So it's, yeah. it's a really, but you had never, I had, you never, had met, never met before. before. Really? Yeah. yeah, that is, that that's is. So cool. Yeah. So, um, you went to Winter Haven High School. Did you? Well, you, let's, did you meet your boyfriend at Winter Haven High School? I did no? not. Oh, okay. You, so he, you did not keep that tradition going. He, no, then. he went to Lake Region, which oh, is wow. a little bit of a sticking point. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, Lake Region's still one of our Winter Haven High School. It is, they absolutely. Still, it's a great school, yes. but... But he's not a Blue Devil. He's not a Blue Devil. I know. That runs deep <laughs> amongst does. you Blue Devils. It, it really does. <laughs> went to Winter Haven High School. Then you went where for college? Uh, University of Florida. And what's your major at UF? I was telecommunications. So originally I wanted to go into journalism and reporting. Um, I thought I wanted to report on politics. I didn't think I ever wanted to be a politician, (laughs) Um, which is, you know, my parents will argue that they thought I was going to be a politician, but I didn't think I ever wanted to be a politician. Um, But I interned with Publix in their government relations department in college. Okay. And fell in love with the advocacy lobbying side of things. Mm Mm-hmm. So then I really thought I was going to go into advocacy, um, which I ended up in the nonprofit realm doing a lot of that. But then I 
found my way into politics. And then um, before before I had ever met you, um, so you worked with um, uh, Sarah Roberts, Macaulay. Now, mm-hmm. so you worked with her. What in what capacity did you work with Sarah Roberts, who used to be the executive director of Polk Vision, but now is a Lakeland City Commissioner? So tell me a little bit about that back history. So she ran the Randy Roberts Foundation, which was founded in memory of her late husband. Um, he was the lobbyist for Publix well before I interned there, but they had a scholarship program, a mentorship program. They do congressional classroom where they take kids to D.C. every year. Um, so I actually won the scholarship when I was in high school and got connected with the foundation. Uh, when I was in college, I chaperoned their congressional cl- classroom trip a couple of years, and then I went on and was their program director. So I ran their congressional classroom trips. I did their mentorship programs, mm-hmm. the scholarship program. Um, and so I worked with her very closely in that, and we worked a lot with high school students and high school guidance counselors, um, which really just kind of turned me off a little bit to some of the red tape that you had to, oh, okay. to get so through. So that to, started to infiltrate so and plant I, the seed. Yeah. I think the uh, straw that broke the camel's back was we were in D.C. in late September, early October for a um, congressional classroom trip, and one of our students got a notification that her AP class was canceled a month and a half into school that – you know, she's in line to be valedictorian, she, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But mm-hmm. when you're 17, it's a really big deal when mm-hmm. your class gets canceled. Right. Like literally Especially canceled. That late like the they're just... They didn't have enough kids, so they were... Wow. So she's like, you know, it's too late to take a college class. It's So that was kind of, you know, making sure that we're putting students first was right something that bothered me. <laughs> Sarah Beth, how old were you when you uh, decided to run for school board? So I was 23 when I filed to run, um, and I turned 24 just before the November election. And why the school board of all of the elected positions? Um, A lot of people actually told me that I needed to run for state and not the school board when I asked their advice. Um, But I was... It might have been sage (laughs) advice. You never know. (laughs) Even this morning, I was on a call and they were like, see, you probably should have ran for state instead of school board. Um, But I I love education. Um, I come from a family of educators. I was a little bit of the black sheep when I was picking my major in college because I was the only female in my family on either side that did not major in education and go into teaching. Really? Um, which I found my way back to education. I, <laughs> I, I got there. See, um, it is in your bloodstream. It is, it is in hereditary blood. in some way. Your own way. <laughs> um, but so I have always been around um, teachers and educators, and mm-hmm. it's something that my parents placed really high value on in our lives. Mm-hmm. What has surprised you the most about the school board? Um, I would say how big it is. Um, it's a it's a system. It's we don't just educate kids. Um, and I think you know, it's particularly right now, we have a lot going on with coronavirus and things like that. That people are realizing, oh, you also feed kids every day. Right. We also have a right. major transportation system. Mm-hmm. We're the first line of defense for a lot of these kids. Um, but it's you know, we have industries all over that. We have 105,000 students, but we also have 14,000 employees that Mm -hmm. we really are larger than any city Mm -hmm. in Polk County, just in our footprint. Um, So just how big and diverse the system is. You know, we have kids that if we were to go to online um, education, it wouldn't be a big deal. But we also have kids that don't have underwear, shoes or socks. How can we possibly expect them to have Wi-Fi or a tablet that they could work on at home? Um, So it's just kind of the diversity um, 
particularly in our students in different areas of our county. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, the, you know, um, if you're listening, we're recording this episode <laughs> during the uh, the beginning of the us trying to get a, a grapple on the coronavirus situation. And um, that was one of the biggest questions, I think, on the recommendation to close um, the school is, um, you know, where are these kids going to eat? Um, and then even with the, the school lunches being available, which is a how phenomenal, how are they going to get there? <laughs> and so actually I had someone call me last night and say, what can we do to deliver um, to deliver uh, lunches and that sort of thing? So, um, And luckily you see things like the mission and other nonprofits stepping up and saying, let us know how we can help and, and things like that to, to get that through. So, um, you know, a lot of people... I think that the school board as an elected position is one of the most difficult, um, as we've alluded to. Um, And a lot of that is because unlike even though city commissions and county commissions still have certain uh, regulations and things handed down from them from the state, so much of your budget and what you're allowed to do and all of that is um, even how you can use property taxes and um, all that, it, it, it's all handed down from someone else. Um, and so it can be challenging to determine, um, you know, what you have the authority to do and what you don't have the authority to do and that sort of thing. So what do you think are the school board's greatest challenges and what do you think are the the greatest opportunities? I would say the greatest challenges is kind of what you've alluded to, that there's so many things that we have absolutely no control over, Mm -hmm. um, that it's figuring out how to best work within the system that we've been prescribed to. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of that is talking to our legislators and saying, hey, this is how this is affecting us. It may not be what was meant in practice, but this is how it's affecting us. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem a lot of times is that instead of repealing things, we just add more things to try and fix it, that it then becomes more and more prescriptive. Which is, you know, I think even with our own policies, we've in the past couple of years started looking at, okay, what do we, what have we imposed on ourselves that, you know, we had a policy that any of our, um, any of our like construction workers or things like that, that we employ in the schools, our carpenters or plumbers had to have certain certifications. Well, when we have academies and we're saying you can graduate high school and go into this field, but we're not letting our kids that are graduating high school come and work for us. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit backwards. Right. So we've you know, started to, to look at some of those things to see how we are best um, suiting our students, but also our workforce. Yeah. And I think always looking at the own organization with a critical eye, I think, is important. I mean, Absolutely. I do feel like that's something that the current administration is really striving for um, in terms of how they can become uh, more streamlined. Um, in that process. And as someone who has worked very closely with the school district over the last six years in my position, um, I've seen that sea change of, you know, we need to figure out it's not, this is the way it's always been, but um, that might've been the way it's always been, but how, what do we have the authority to change here locally? And then what do we need to lobby for at the state level um, to do that? And, um, you know, I've certainly seen it firsthand as you and I have met with many of our legislative delegation together and it always starts off talking about theater and the arts <laughs> and much to Dan Chesnick's um... chagrin as he's sitting in the office with us uh, we swapped education um, uh, you know relatively quickly because it is such a, a large animal and uh, one thing you know for example on this session and um, we had talked about it at the beginning of session and, and and you'd have better insight on kind of where it's landed or if it landed anywhere but there was some discussion about 
Um, right now, if if a student lives two miles from school, you're not, re- is that right? Two miles from school, you're not required to bus them into right. the school. And there was some discussion at the state level of changing that to one mile. Um, and how just that one change without being thoughtfully studied, which is, I think, what the school district was asking for. Can we at least study that's impact before we implement that? How that would change the entire transportation system in terms of your ability to use a bus more than once throughout the day and that sort of thing. So speak to that a little bit. Absolutely. So that bill died during session. Um, We still have four more days, so hopefully (laughs) it it, um, won't resurrect itself. But it you know, it was about 16,000 additional students that we would be busing within that from a mile to two miles, which is a lot of kids. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a lot of bodies. And it's, you know, we're already in a situation where our buses are full. They're driving tens of thousands of miles a day combined because Polk County is a big county. It's though we have areas like Mulberry and Frostproof and some of our more rural areas, Mm -hmm. we still we're busing kids in those areas. So instead of it being you know, we pick up 30 kids on this block. We're picking up one kid here and one kid here and one kid here, which makes it a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we obviously we want our kids to be safe. We want the kids that live in that radius to, to get to school safely. But we also to be told, you know, we're all of a sudden going to shift to doing this in the next three months. We need more buses to be able to do it. Right. We need more bus drivers, which mm-hmm. we need more bus drivers anyways, even right. if we don't do it, mm-hmm. um, that it, it creates a it, we would have to completely redo the system. So we're very grateful that they kind of took a step back and said, okay, let's look at this a little bit deeper and and how we can fix some of these things. And Right. And it all comes down to analyzing what the unintended consequences of a, of a bill might be, which because right. I think any parent would say, well, yeah, I kind of like it if you if my kid that lives two miles away. Mm-hmm. But but what is the domino effect to that right. legislation? So. Sarah Beth, what would you say you are most proud of of Polk County Schools? I am probably most proud of our work in the academies. Um, I think probably one of the most underreported statistics for Polk County is that we are number two in career academies in the nation. Um, We are second only to Nashville, which is where the academy model kind of started. So we have students at every high school that are getting certified in um, CNA and being able to do all sorts of different, some basic construction, um, particularly in the medical field, where they can come out of high school having job, being able to get a job, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. And it's, you know, we have a lot of different opportunities for students. Every school, every high school has at least two to three tracks of these are different um, fields that you can go into. But the fact that we're second in the nation is huge. And we have so many different opportunities for our students. We have CFAA in Lakeland where they can get their pilot's license while they're in high school. Um, We have Harrison. We have at Winter Haven, we have the Medical Academy, which is incredible. I don't know if you guys have seen the video going around Facebook where we have a student that um, has no arms that is been going through our medical academy, but has learned to do all of these things with her feet. Oh, really? Um, so she is taking blood and do, getting her phlebotomy um, certification completely with her feet. Wow. Um, so there's so many things that our students are getting the opportunity to do that mm-hmm. otherwise they never would have the opportunity. So I think that our academies and the business support for our academies right. is incredible. Well, and that's important to mention, too, if any of our listeners, um, you know, if your industry, if you, your business has a need, a workforce need, 
there is a huge opportunity to get involved in the academies that are associated with that. So if it's construction, um, we have yeah. four construction academies now. Yes. Um, uh, if it's the life sciences, robotics, computer programming, uh, graphic design, veterinary. I mean, the list goes yeah. on and on. So if you are a professional out there that wants to take a part in helping to develop so that these students coming out of high school are either ready to come right into your workforce and they've been developed in a way that they are very valuable to you or they're going to go on to higher learning um, and, you know, continue with that veterinarian degree or whatever it might be. Um, you have a hand in helping to form these kids. So, um, you know, definitely uh, reach out to Sarah Beth or reach out to the school district and let them know you'd want to sit on one of those advisory committees to make sure that the curriculum is matching what the actual needs are in the workforce. Absolutely. And that's how Lake Region has a construction academy. And that's how those c academies were formed was the construction community said, we need a workforce. Right. Um, what are you going to give us for our workforce? So exactly. that's how those came about. So what do you, kind of a final question on your wearing your school board member hat, what do you want to make sure that every person uh, in Polk County knows about Polk County Public Schools? Um, I think that Polk County Public Schools is truly students first. Um, I don't think that you will meet anyone in this community that cares more about every student than our superintendent, Jackie Bird. Mm -hmm. um, I cannot praise her enough for her work with our students and also her work with our community organizations to make sure that that they're finding the ways to bus help our students. Um, I think like you mentioned earlier, being able to deliver food, things like that, um, that those are all programs that even when I was in school, which wasn't that long ago, but it was. <laughs> You're it, a baby. <laughs> you, can, you can tell it, you know, there's yeah. different principals treat it differently when people, you know, some principals really want people on their campus. Some are a little bit more resistant, um, but it's it's been a a cultural shift that people don't feel like people coming in to help from the community is a bad thing right. or anybody's going to go tattletale on you that the allowing the community to come in and help is mm -hmm. um is huge and we want the community to come in and help in yeah. our schools and i think that's another really big shift that i've seen over the last six years is um you know when when we when i first started at the chamber we did a reading program where mm -hmm. um, every staff member we did it every Thursday, but we rotated. So every staff member went in and read to the kids and um, at one of our elementary schools. And back then, even six years, it was literally six years ago, um, it was kind of like, well, now we don't want to waste any of the kids' time. Mm -hmm. And we don't want, you know, there's a strict, you know, this is our mm -hmm. time frame and I got to make sure. And as a volunteer, you're like, well, then why am I even doing this? Like, I'm doing mm -hmm. it because it makes me feel good. <laughs> and I'm doing it. The kids seem to really like it. But if you're going to be sitting in the back of the room with a stopwatch, you know, so culturally that has changed so much. Um, and even a recent um, meeting that I had with the principal at Elbert, um, Principal Dawson was, no, we need mentors. We Absolutely. need, um, you know, one challenge they have at Elbert is they'll do like a book parade. And you remember when you used to dress up like a character and, you know, all that. But so many of the parents and grandparents, um, they're working. They can't get out during the day to do that. So just even having... Um, people that have been obviously vetted through the school system to come out and be that cheerleading squad <laughs> during the book parade. You know, it's little low-hanging fruit like that, but it's so much more open um, to to the community adopting schools and getting integrated into the schools. It's kind of to harken back to when the schools yeah. were more <laughs> about the community, and, um, and you know, and it got away from that for various reasons, a long list of reasons, but really integrating the community. And that's the whole purpose of the Winter Haven Public Education Partnership, too, which I'll give a, a plug to you and I both <laughs> serve on uh, their board of directors as ex-officio members of the community, but um, really figuring out how we can 
get the business community and the community at large more um, integrated and taking responsibility for the success of our schools. So um, uh, definitely. So switching gears, many people may not realize your position at the school board is not your full-time gig, although you probably spend 40 hours a week on it, addition to your full-time job. Um, so what is your full-time role with the Theater Winter Haven? So I am Theater Winter Haven's development director. So I do all of our grants, donor management, um, community relations, those types of things. And did you do theater growing up? Was that, I mean, how did did. (laughs) I grew up on the Theater Winter Haven stage. So my mom, my mom actually grew up on the Theater Winter Haven stage. Oh, really? um, I didn't know that. When they first moved into the Chain of Lakes complex. Um, So she made me audition for my first show when I was in kindergarten. Um, So that would have been season 29, which is 1998, 1999. Mm -hmm. So we're now in season 50. So there's even as we're planning different events and People are asking, I'm like, oh, yeah, we did that in 2003. We did that. That it's the institutional knowledge is yeah. kind of ingrained. But, um, but, yeah, I grew up on the Theater Winter Haven stage. What was your first show? Um, my first show was the somewhat, no, sorry, The Legend of Robin Hood, sort of. Mm-hmm. Is that yes. the title of the show? That was the, the Legend title, of the, Robin Hood. The Legend Hood's of Robin Hood, sort, sort of. of. It was an Academy show. <laughs> yeah. And I the stepped Academy... on someone's foot and Ooh. screamed. Oh. That was my big line. Oh, that was your line. That <laughs> yes. wasn't on. I no, thought, no, no, no. Oh, you did that on stage in the middle of the no, show. No, <laughs> my big line was that I got to step on someone's foot and yeah. scream. Very cool. And and you said that's an academy show. So the academy yes. is um, meant for kids that are interested in getting involved or forced to, apparently, if their parents yes. made them. Um, it was the best thing theater. she ever made me yeah, do. Exactly. I never left. So. <laughs> but um, that is an opportunity for students that want to learn about, um, or, or kids that want. What's the age range of the academy? Um, so the academy is. T- It really depends on the class. We have classes starting as young as three and four Mm -hmm. um, and going all the way up to 18. Um, It's evolving a little bit right now as we have essentially doubled our space in the past few months, thanks to the Fieldhouse Project. Mm -hmm. Um, We're looking at more of fully serving our community from the academy standpoint. So we already have community choir, which is for ages 14 and up, mm-hmm. um, where we have a choir that's high school students, but it's also our senior citizens all singing together. Right. Um, so we're looking at more programs like that that we can incorporate um, citizens of all ages. We have an adult tap class right now mm-hmm. that is 55 and up, and it is a blast. There's <laughs> 20 ladies in it. It is so much fun to watch them because it really is fun. just kind of like an aerobics class once a week. Yeah. Um, but so we have a lot more opportunities now because we have more space and can offer more opportunities. Right. Um, but as we're transitioning to being a full performing arts studios. Right. And I think that and um, that's kind of leads into my next question. So part of the redevelopment of the field house was really um, to relocate a lot of the uh, athletic activities into the field house um, side of the building and then basically um, provide use the space, the city's not paying for it in terms of its build out, but the space to really develop that complex, that half of the complex into a performing arts facility. So you mentioned choir, you mentioned dance, you mentioned acting classes, and and you guys obviously do performances all over. So you're handling uh, programming at the Ritz Theater, you're handling programming on your own campus, programming at Lake Ashton, Um, in the schools, you went out and did some programming (laughs) in the schools. So it's wearing many, many, many hats. Yeah. So when I first I came on to staff at the theater in 2016, um, so I've been there about four years. When I first came on about a month and a half in, we had a state of the theater meeting with our community members and mm-hmm. stakeholders. Um, I believe you were at the meeting. Yeah. But one of the the two biggest things that came out of it was that we are capacity constrained. We have so many things we can do 
and not enough places to do them. Um, so that has now changed, I think, mm-hmm. drastically. Um, the second thing that came out was everybody looked at us and said, you need to raise your ticket prices. This is way too good for what you're charging, <laughs> um, which I don't think most companies ever hear is right. that you should be charging more. Um, but one of our goals at Theater Winter Haven is to keep it affordable so that all segments of our community can participate. Um, the fact that we're able to be in a city building and it's extremely accessible to our community is huge. And mm-hmm. we're extremely grateful to the city of Winter Haven for continuing that partnership. Um, So the theater actually was founded in 1970 as the cultural arm of the city of Winter Haven and didn't become its own nonprofit until 1981. Oh, okay. So it really has been a 50-year relationship of working with the city, Mm -hmm. um, and we're grateful for them to allow us in that space. So you are celebrating 50 years, which is huge, Um, and this whole new horizon of possibility with building out a black black box theater, building out the performing arts, things of that nature. Um, And I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, the, you know, obviously very unfortunate right now with the um, coronavirus situation that we're in that you've had to cancel, um, I think it was the last two weeks of Kinky Boots. Boots. And by the way, Kinky Boots was amazing. And uh, the gentleman that played Lola, um, I mean, I just, I still hear him singing in my head. He was, he's. He's so yes. good. Joshua is his name, isn't <laughs> yes. it? Joshua is so good. I mean, chills every time he he sang. So, um, but that you know, I, I posted on Facebook that I really hope that people that aren't able to see the show don't ask for refunds <laughs> because I mean, if you do that, I mean, it's crippling um, for nonprofits if everyone's like, "Well, I want a refund for my ticket," and I'm like, "Listen, they'll make it up to you," <laughs> you know. So, um, but I, I do want to put in a plug. I mean, if you are able to any of our nonprofits that have had to cancel these truly revenue generating events for them um, to go on and donate at theaterwinterhaven.com. Yeah, yeah theaterwinterhaven.com. And then buy tickets to future shows. So, um, you, you, you know, we're a little uncertain right now, but of course, Calendar Girls is still on the schedule. Your summer musical is... The Wedding Singer. The Wedding Singer, <laughs> um, which is, of course, the, the off of the movie um, with Adam Sandler and lots of 80s music and, and things of that nature. Um, and then you'll also have a 50-year a gala um, yes. at some point this year. Obviously, it's had to be rescheduled um, at this point based off of, of um, everything going on, but you'll get to do that at some point this year, too is great. And I think the biggest thing is just continue to support the arts. We have a list on our website of different online resources. There's several studios out there that are doing virtual dance classes that are, and all of these are free resources to the public so that Mm -hmm. you can continue to celebrate the arts and get engaged. We also have our 51st season coming up. Mm -hmm. So if we want to look at that, we'll have our opening show will be Adam's Family. Oh, wow. Um, And then our Christmas show will be A Tuna Christmas. We'll have our January time slot will be Nonsense. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be doing The Music Man. Um, and then our spring show will be Once on This Island. Um, which <gasps> straight off of <laughs> straight Broadway. Straight off of Broadway. Once on This um, Island. Oh, wow. That's yes, amazing. Straight off of Broadway. And the Broadway show held our own Quentin Darrington in it from mm-hmm. Polk County. So um, we'll be doing Once on This Island. And then the summer show will be Grease. Oh, wow. So we always have a popular. great season 51 coming up as yeah. well. So, we And so um, buy your season tickets because, um, first off, we're very fortunate. We have a very high um, uh, enrollment in season tickets at Theater Winter Haven. Um, but it's so incredibly affordable. I mean, like they said to your board, like, it's like <laughs> almost feel like you're robbing you for the value. And their shows are second to none. And I see a lot of shows whether it's Broadway, whether it's at the Dr. Phillips Center in Orlando. Um, but Theater Winter Haven shows are 
if not better sometimes than what you know what I saw at those facilities. Um, but they are certainly on par or exceeding what you see in any other um, Broadway or um, or Dr. Phillips traveling Broadway series, that sort of thing. So um, definitely buy your season tickets. You can purchase those at theaterwinterhaven.com. You can make donations at theaterwinterhaven.com. Keep an eye out for the 50-year gala, which I know you're working very hard to get as many of the former performers <laughs> that have gone on to, yes. to better and brighter things on Broadway to come back and perform at that um, and so we want to encourage all of our listeners to get out there and support the arts. And as you heard uh, Sarah Beth very humbly say, not just Theater Winterhaven, but all of our arts organizations that are out there. So Sarah Beth, anything else you want our listeners to know? I mean, come out and see a show at Theater Winterhaven. It's super affordable and you will not regret it. Or come take a class. Our classes are a lot of fun, too. So but check us out. Theaterwinterhaven.com. Well, thank you so much for your service to the community um, on the school board as well. I think one thing that you've helped me with tremendously is understanding the very extremely complex um, uh, web of of requirements and, and mandated bureaucracy and things of that nature at the school district and how you all are trying to navigate that uh, to really put students first. So thank you so much for your service. Thank you. This podcast would not be possible without our chamber and investor businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Advent Health. Advent Health is a local leader in healthcare and is committed to providing care while extending the healing ministry of Christ. With the national focus on COVID-19, Advent Health would like to remind our listeners if they have questions about the coronavirus, they can speak to Advent Health experts by calling the hotline at 877-VIRUS-HQ. That's 877-847-8747. If you believe you've been exposed to COVID-19 or have specific symptoms of fever, cough, shortness of breath, or trouble breathing, please contact your primary care provider or go to the nearest Advent Health Center Care located in Winter Haven at 7375 Cypress Gardens Boulevard. Again, if you have questions regarding COVID-19, please call the hotline at 877-VIRUS-HQ. Advent Health is here to provide the answers that you need. pandemic revealed a digital divide in Polk County. Today we hear from Kim Long, Director of Polk Vision, Chairman of the Polk Vision Smart Communities Team, Chad Tagto of Citizens Bank and Trust, 
and Rachel Pleasant of Polk County Public Schools about the wonderful things individuals, businesses, and nonprofits are doing to help bridge that gap. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel and Chad and uh, Kim. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us today. Um, You know, Polk Vision um, has been working on uh, high-speed, affordable internet services. This has been a long-standing focus of Polk Vision. So we're really um, happy that you've given us uh, some time today to discuss this issue with your listeners. Of course, the recent COVID outbreak has caused um, many stressors uh, on our communications uh, devices and how we are staying in touch with one another. So, of course, broadband access, internet services, and our smart communities team have all been um, at the table working deliberately on trying to bridge that digital divide in our community. And today we're really fortunate to have with us uh, Rachel Pleasant with Polk County Public Schools. And I believe she has some news to share. It's a very exciting day here at Polk County Public Schools because today we saw um, 50 of our school buses that have recently been equipped as um, Wi-Fi hotspots. They, they have antennas and routers on board. Those 50 Wi-Fi equipped uh, but, uh, school buses rolled out to neighborhoods across our county today. Our principals and regional superintendents worked for several days in a row to um, identify areas where students were most in need of internet accessibility. And now we are bringing that internet access to them. It was a really exciting day to see those school buses roll into those neighborhoods and, and see the kids come to gather around and do their homework. So good things are definitely happening. And of course, Rachel, they wouldn't have been able to fully um, optimize that opportunity had Polk County Public, Public Schools not stepped up and distributed what, um, I, I want to get my figure here correct, wasn't it upwards of 23,000 devices? were placed in the hands of students within the last couple of weeks? Correct. That was our first um, sort of bullet point on our distance learning plan was to get devices out to as many students who um, could use them, who needed them to complete their their schoolwork. And so we started that in early April, I believe it was, and we did um, very quickly prepare 23,000 devices to be deployed and have since been in the hands of our students for about a month now. And they've been logging in and doing their schoolwork. And assuming that those devices at some point um, originally intended to be in the classroom, right, we'll, we'll need to go back into the classroom and the media centers. And I believe our smart communities team, uh, Chad Pagtow, our, our uh, chairman uh, by, uh, of that team is with us on the line. And Chad, I think you have some news about how you might be addressing that as a team leader. Um, The issue of the digital divide has been one of focus of Polk Vision for some time. And um, with this specific issue, um, while the school board has been able to successfully hand out um, over 20,000 devices, there's still a great need. Um, The need is really over, um, we're we're looking at estimates um, in excess of 30, uh, of third or 30 percent of our community in some of our communities not having access to either an internet accessible device or broadband. And so um, what we've done is um, a website's been set up, uh, thinkforstudents.org, and it outlines specifically how um, you can help. Uh, We need um, businesses to step up or individuals to step up 
and look at donating devices that still have um, some life left in them, a year or two of life left in them at least. Um, the specifications are listed on that website that state um, what kind of um, size hard drive and processor and RAM and those, this, this, the, the specifications for them. And is, is what we're asking is that individuals and businesses start to identify these devices. And a lot of us are um, cleaning out things while we're stuck at home. And so as you are looking at these devices that may still have some life in them, and if they meet these requirements, we would love you to set them aside. Don't throw them away. And um, soon and very soon, we'll have some locations uh, where when it's safe to come and drop them off, that we can drop these devices off. And the school board will be ready to uh, take these devices and wipe them completely and then re-image them with uh, a new operating system to be put in the hands of students who do not have devices so that they can work. We really have encountered the, the greatest experiment in distance learning um, to, to date, and it was um, you know put upon us in very short order. So um, one of the main needs is getting devices in hands of students who do not have computers at home. And, and since there's no um, instruction taking place in the classroom, this is this is a serious need, and um, the digital divide is, is a very serious one in our community. Chad, can you repeat oh, that that website for our listeners one more time? Sure, it's thinkforstudents.org. S y n c e d f o r s t u d e n t s dot org. Thank you. Thinkforstudents.org, and of course, the, the need is evidenced by the over twenty three thousand units that went out. And I think I think what uh, we were hoping to do is limit that to one per. Um, household, making certain that there was enough to go around. And if you think about the number of families that have multiple children in different grades, um, all trying to do their homework at one time, certainly a secondary device, even if the school device remains in the home, it's going to be necessary. Um, Rachel, um, what plans do you and and the um, information office, as well as the the uh, folks in the tech department have. How are you? How are you determining uh, which of these devices go to which student? Do you have a plan for that? Yeah, the it'll largely depend on where they are academically. A a high school senior who needs to do online coursework to get credits so that he or she can graduate on time and go on to college or the military or the workforce. That's going to take precedence over an elementary school child who maybe is going to be doing some um, extra learning activities or um, augmenting their learning online, augmenting what they're doing already in the classroom. So the it will happen very much. One thing that we have really sort of a mantra that has emerged during this COVID um, response has been that our schools know their communities best. We'll rely heavily on our schools to help us identify the students who would most benefit from the devices that we're able to um, collect. And then we will deploy them to those those students based on that prioritized need. So we know that any device that's donated, whether it comes from a business or an individual, is going to be um, put in the hands of a technician to begin with. They're going to ensure that no personal information is left on the device. They'll wipe it clean because all of these 
technicians have been through a deep background check as employees of the school district. Then they'll be loading uh, the appropriate software platforms necessary to perform coursework or homework remotely. And then they'll be equitably distributed by, um, with the advice of and the, and the needs um, of each individual student in schools. So it sounds like we're poised for a really robust response from uh, the community, and we certainly hope that we can count on that. Um, Chad, do you have any, um, as, a, as a CIO of, of a major um, financial institution serving Polk County, do you have any words of wisdom for fellow business owners who may um, be having any reluctance to this gift uh, or this uh, recycling opportunity, if you will. Sure. Um, I, I would I would strongly encourage um, all of uh, my uh, fellow um, CIOs and individuals who have control over these devices. Um, this is a very worthwhile uh, endeavor. Um, these students. Um, who are in need of devices, it's the only way that they're effectively going to be able to complete their schooling. And with these Wi-Fi enabled buses, we're providing um, internet access to those who, who are in need. And and I would say that it, it, has, it became very apparent to us all here in the last, um, last month or so, the importance of being able to effectively work from home if you're going to accomplish your job. And so seeing how much um, importance there is on having good equipment and good internet at your house to do your job, it's the exact same thing for the for the students. And so um, these devices, while I'm sure most of you will wipe them beforehand, if you don't have that capability of your own for a, a, um, an individual, these are going to be wiped by the school board um, according uh, to the highest specifications to ensure that there's no information left on those hard drives at all. And so I, I would strongly encourage um, uh, participation in this. I mean, we're, we're trying to address the very problem that is, that, that exists in our county. And now it's been made that much, um, that much more apparent because now all of the extra weight of schooling every day has been placed upon these students who don't have devices, do not have internet access. We're trying to meet that. And we can only do that with the help of individuals who are, who would be willing to donate, um, uh, devices. Oh, thank you so much. Um, uh, I want to I want to thank the chamber for allowing us a few moments um, of their precious t- um, airtime to talk about this issue. Rachel Pleasant with the school district. Do you have any um, additional words of wisdom or thought to add before we sign off? Yeah, just this campaign is so beautiful. This this project is so beautiful because it is something that some good can come out of a really dire and, and really scary time in our community, in our state, in our nation. And so, and anyone can help with this. Anyone who has an outdated device or a device that they're no longer using can donate that to this cause and make a difference for our students. Well, thank you very much. Um, Rachel, do you, Rachel Lawrence, do you have any um, questions of us? Do you need that website again or anything from us? Synchedforstudents.org. Thank you both so much for joining us and, and Kim for directing our, our conversation today. Um, I think this is such an important issue and everything that you are doing here in our community and for our students is, is invaluable. So thank you all so much for giving us a moment of your time today. It's a privilege to serve. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
This podcast is made possible through the generous support of local businesses in the Winter Haven community, including our presenting sponsor, Fred Simons Insurance Agency. That's right. There's a new farmer's insurance agent in your neighborhood. Meet Fred Simons with the Fred Simons Insurance Agency located at 325 Avenue C Southwest, Winter Haven, Florida. As the road you travel changes, so can your insurance needs. Give Fred Simons a call today at 863-259-1826 so he can help you as you assess whether you're ready for the journey ahead. That's Farmers Insurance Agent Fred Simons at 863-259-1826. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers, Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Well, that's it for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, Sarah Beth Reynolds of Polk County School Board and Theater of Winter Haven, Kim Long of Polk Vision, Chad Tagto of Citizens Bank and Trust, and Chairman of Polk Vision Smart Communities Team, and Rachel Pleasant of Polk County Public Schools. Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber, visit winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope you learned a little bit more about our community today and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home. <laughs>